Fun fact about Doctor Who, which we're talking about on today's podcast, but this fun fact is not related to. The Blondie song, Call Me, is just the Doctor Who theme song with Blondie lyrics on top of it. Go listen to it. It's okay. We'll be here. We'll stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling and animation and traveling through time in a big blue box. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we're discussing Doctor Who, The Power of the Daleks. The new, I was going to say this year, but it's not this year, the 2016 is reanimated a proper word to use here? <laughs> yeah. The reanimated, animated retelling, that's hard to say, of the <laughs> 1960s lost six-part Doctor Who epic that contains the first regeneration of the Doctor into the second Doctor. Well, I think you may have lost a lot of people I in know. that like, two-sentence span. I think fine. it was a single sentence, too. I don't know how many sentences. It was a run-on. Okay. This is a very niche podcast to begin with. Like, if you're not into, like, Doctor Who and old Doctor Who and like restoring classic things and Chris and Mackenzie, then like we've already lost you. Thank you for listening. We appreciate the play count on our iTunes. So welcome to 2017, <laughs> which is a new era um, in animation and Doctor Who, apparently. In that we're going back in time. We're going back in time <laughs> to talk about Power of the Daleks. So... The Power of the Daleks, just to give a little bit of an overview, if we don't know who Doctor Who is, Doctor Who is a gentleman, um, usually of British descent, sometimes Scottish, um, twice he was Scottish, but of British descent who uh, is actually from a planet Gallifrey. Uh, he's an alien who travels through time in a time machine with a malfunctioning um, chameleon drive. Chameleon drive, Boom. which which turns in, which makes his spaceship look like a police box from the 1960s, of which this is time period takes place. Yeah. So <clears throat> um, travels around in the big blue police box. So those of you who haven't understood Doctor Who yet, now you know why all your friends have this blue stuff that says police box on it. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a cry for help. It's not a cry for help. And if you thought that Doctor Who was just like this new thing with these cool young hipsters and now this older gentleman, it's not. It's been around for a long time, um, over 50 years, in fact. And yes. so our subject today, um, Doctor Who's been around so long that some of the original episodes and serials of the show have been lost to time. They no longer exist. It's, it's amazing. The story about how they got lost, I just think is remarkable. I just it's it's remarkable. Go so on. I want to talk a little bit about this. So the power of the Daleks is a six part, and back then the parts were about twenty five minutes, so half hours. We're used to right now in the new they call it the new Who um, era. Who to? Yeah, the the new Who Who to whatever. Um, we have hour long episodes, so it's it was different. So six parts episodes was not unheard of to have six 20-minute episodes all lumped together in a single, what they called a serial. Now, this happened, um, Power of the Dogs came out November 5th to December 10th, 1966, 
And it was the first, as Mackenzie said, it was the first showing of Patrick Troughton as the second Doctor. So the first time where to keep the series going, they switched to a new actor. So um, this this was should be something that was kept. You know, <laughs> it's a milestone episode, um, but it was lost. So between 1967 and 1978, a lot of the film and videotape that were stored were either wiped or destroyed um, to make way for new things. Why do we need to archive and keep old things when we have new things constantly being made? So... Um, there was no practical... <laughs> I love that they thought that there was no reason to save Doctor Who. Like, we're not going to need this in the future. And so it's they It's like just, they learned nothing from watching their own show. <laughs> nobody watched... Like, nobody at the BBC probably watched it. If we... There's a... There's a made-for-TV movie about making Doctor Who, and you see just how difficult it was to get them to put Doctor Who on the air in the first place. So um, people love it, though. People still love it. It's, it's really... Anyway, so they, they lost all these episodes, and so they're trying to find them, and they found them in other countries um, <laughs> where they had ordered copies of it, and sometimes they were intercepted by other people, so people who were collecting them and other ways. So, oh, this was meant for this, and then somebody just kept it. Um, and people just not throwing stuff away that they were supposed to throw away. So it's just being found in a lot of different places. Um, it And also they found pieces that were done. You know how they have Entertainment Tonight and other things where they show, hey, here's a new trailer for this, or here's a new scene from this. Or it'd be like that if we went to the Tonight Show and saw, oh, we can save the two minutes that we showed on the Tonight Show because that's preserving that scene and plucking it from there. That's what they have are all these old shows and documentary shows of here's here's the episode somehow. Um, serials, they were talking about things being shown in Germany, dubbed into German, obviously. But they didn't have them in the archives there either. So lots of things were just lost to the world. Um, and the power of the Daleks, they actually found the um, actual clips of the, the audio. They, so the audio somehow was saved. Yeah, we have all the audio for all six parts of this, but no video. Well, they have a couple of <clears throat> like... Um, Oh, they, incomplete video. Incomplete video. So they have a scene towards the end of one of the episodes, so they knew what that shot was going to look like, and they had a little bit of the regeneration where the first Doctor turns into the second Doctor, uh, and they had some of that, but it was silent film. So they just didn't have any of this stuff except the audio. And they could have released it as an audio play, but it doesn't quite work because there's a lot of visual that needs to be done. There's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's there. It's definitely written for TV and TV of that time. Um, it's not a radio drama. Like there's lots of silent portions. Right. Um, and that'll be a topic for discussion uh, today. Um, 
And they did this really interesting thing where essentially 50 years after this air, they're restoring it and redoing it. And they've released these six episodes that they've animated um, on a shoestring budget, it looks like, to fit the <laughs> aesthetic of the original Doctor Who also. Um, and they released it in both black and white and in color because, of course, Doctor Who was in black and white at the time. Yes. And did you watch both versions or just one? Um, I tried to watch the black and white as God intended. Um, but it was really funny. On the BBC America app, when I would hit you know, episode two, black and white, it would start playing the color version. Uh. And it did that every single time. Black and white. Yeah, I think you want to watch the color version. <laughs> So I, think, I think you mean option two. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm pretty sure you did. <laughs> so um, it was, I think I watched episode four and episode one in black and white, and the others it forced me to do a color. Mm-hmm. Even after choosing deliberately black and white. You tried choosing a color one? Uh, no. Ah, uh, maybe that's your problem. Maybe the black and white one was under color. I didn't want to accident i wanted to blame something for having to watch it in color that's what i wanted to do did you watch the black and white or color um i skipped around a bit i watched episodes one and six in black and white and i watched episode four in color and i must say i prefer black and white i feel like it was animated with black and white in mind i think so the color feels far away from something else it didn't feel right yeah, it looks, and it's like the, the Daleks are like colored like modern Daleks and new who, but I don't know. It was kind of weird to me. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it in color. It just completely threw me off in, in color. The black and white felt good. Mm-hmm. It felt normal, and I think it fits with another aesthetic in terms of the pacing and everything else that goes with it. I think black and white suits it. A lot better. Let's talk about pacing then and how that's perceived. Because um, we talked about a little bit of television of that time. Yes. Um, let's talk about how pacing of where we have the complete audio and then trying to animate on top of that. How is it paced for you? Well, I think it's a little difficult because before we talk about pacing, I think we need <laughs> to talk about intention. Mm. Um, because what... It, their intention of doing this is not to make a remake of the episode, not to do an animated version of the episode. They're trying to recreate the episode, but they can't use the actual actors Mm -hmm. because they're all, um, at least one of them, the doctor is gone. (laughs) Um, I don't know about the others. We can't make assumptions. I can't make assumptions and say that everyone's gone. I mean, well, spoilers, a lot of them get killed by Daleks. So, um, I mean, it's a Daleks episode. Surely people will die. <laughs> I hope that that's a thing. If you don't know what a Dalek is, it's the thing with a plunger and a, um, what's what would that be, uh, a mixer? Yeah, it's got like a little whisk. The whisk it's mixer. A whisk and a plunger. And a plunger, uh, who are murderous, rageful machines. Well, they're not machines because they actually have... Um, they're octopi-ish kind of animals inside them. Yeah. So. Yeah. You we, think, won't, we won't go too in-depth with the crazy. You think, there's so much backstory. Yeah. You think they're machines, but they're not really machines. They actually have some sort of evil 
aliens that are hell-bent on the extermination of whatever species is not them. They are very... They, they are insular beings. Anything that's other must One might be exterminated. that it's not a character that the Doctor fights with. It's a force of nature. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I'm giving a thumbs up. You can't listen to that on the podcast, but that's the sound of a thumb going up. I think it sounded crystal clear to me. But I'm all, oh, there's another one. See, oh, <laughs> see, <ooh. You> <laughs> there's it. two, two thumbs up. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> so their intention in making this um, was not to make an animated version, but to try to, as best they could, recreate the thing that existed without being able to use the things that existed. Yeah, namely the people. It's it's like the blind leading the blind, except you can hear. Well, right. I, mean, I guess you can. Never mind. That was a bad metaphor. <laughs> But for me, a lot of this felt a lot like the uh, Clone Wars Legacy episodes, where it's it's clear that what you're watching isn't the original intention of what they wanted to show. Mm. Um, but you get mostly the gist of how cool it could be. Sure. And I didn't dislike it, but I mean, in addition to just the pacing of like 1960s serialized Doctor Who television. <laughs> Which is much different than... Doctor Who now. Yeah, you're basically watching like a stage play, except on TV in six parts. Yeah. Um, there are times where I, I felt like either either it wasn't clear when they were making the animated version what was going on with the audio visually, what were they doing um, to be seen, or like the budget was so low they didn't animate something. Like There's one point where one of the characters, Jay and Lee, is assisting... Uh, one of the other characters, I think Dr. Lesterson, maybe. <laughs> We're saying just a lot of names. Just names, just names. Janley, Janley. And eventually we will talk about plot a little bit. but Yeah, you don't have to worry about it for now. But so there's two people, and there's the animation is like Janley's leaning over and like holding the arm and back of the sitting Dr. Lesterson. And the audio's like, oh, hold on, come over here. And they're just sitting there. And then she goes, now lie down for a second. Just take a rest. <laughs> so it's like, I, I felt like in the audio, like they were clearly walking from one place to another, but the animation is them just sitting there in one spot. Right. So I think that even the pacing loses some translation because it's not constantly action happening. Right. There's a lot of static images in this animated form. <laughs> It got me thinking a lot to um, recreating performances. So as we've talked about, this is the first opportunity. These are the first episodes where we get to see a new actor take over this role. So we're trying to recreate, or not we, but they. <laughs> Sorry. Chris and I, we are responsible for this. No, we're not. <laughs> I claim no responsibility. But so BBC is trying to recreate a performance of Patrick Troughton and his physicality in the role. So going off of later episodes and things that maybe he had done in ways and his facial expressions and things and trying to make decisions about how he interpreted this character. And I was thinking, is 
what do they know of the performance and that they know that this sound effect is this particular thing happening or that particular thing happening is, and some of it is clear. Some of it is clear based on other characters conversations, but sometimes in the silences, which of which there are many, many in the silences where it's all physical business and physicality, you start to wonder is that character choice something that the animators have to had to make up? And were they grabbing something from a different Doctor Who episode to try to say, yeah, this is probably what he was doing? Yeah. And if that's the case, why didn't they... I, they were too beholden to the audio that existed to try to create this version and try to get it recreated and be... specific. You're not specific. What am I? They're trying to just create it as it was, not changing any of the audio, not making any cuts. We are going to try to preserve this and not recreate it. I think they do get, they preserve the original intention for the most part. Yeah. You get the, you get more than the plot. You definitely get a finished product. Yes. Um, Which is but a, there are things that are open to interpretation in it. Yeah. And it feels a little little more like storyboards. Yeah, that's why I feel like it's very Clone Wars-y, legacy As you were saying, yeah. Official word. Yeah. Official adjective. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I also felt like maybe they took, I mean, not having seen the original Power of the Daleks, I can't say what was or was not in it. Not many people can, I think. Um, but there are, there are a couple like moments that were like not very subtle. At one point in the first episode... The doctor is regenerated for the first time. He's looking for his diary from being the first doctor. And he finds it and he's like walking around it, carrying this book. And it says on the cover, like in the animation, 500 year diary. It was very like wily coyote moment. <laughs> Here's my <laughs> Acme 500 year diary. <laughs> yeah, that, that threw me off. <laughs> my wife is like, oh, he found his diary. Yeah, if he yeah. would have found any book, I suppose, like if it had been a. I'm sure that that would have been it. I thought it was clear without having the diary that he found his diary. Well, there was no, you know, audio that said, aha, here it is. I have found the diary. But he said, I'm looking for my diary. Then he goes and like is rummaging through stuff. Well, maybe he found another book. I mean, maybe he got distracted as reading like a tale of two cities. <laughs> I was going to say great expectations. We just said Dickens on the mind. Well, it was recently Christmas, so. Oh, but neither of us. I know neither of us said Christmas Carol, but Dickens is never. I'm not talking Dickens now. He's in a later. Ep, he's in a later episode of Doctor Who. Oh jeez, it's a good episode. Dickens. Anyway, moving moving on. Um, <laughs> this, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of. Let's go back to pacing. Mm-hmm. I think because so their intention was to as closely as they could be respectful to the audio and not change anything, not make any edits. These are the episodes as close as we could possibly mm-hmm. approximate them being. So what you're suggesting is perhaps they were too afraid of not making changes that they maybe hesitated to put in things that were there. I think so. Okay. I know that's a very confusing way to say that. Yes, it was. But I followed, I believe. (laughs) Wibbly wobbly, adjective adverby. (laughs) So I think the thing we're trying to go for, let's try to preserve 
let's not take too many chances in terms of going too far into interpretation. Let's keep everything subtle. And yet, and yet, one of my other things that I noticed, having grown up on Tom Baker's The Fourth Doctor on a bunch of VHS tapes in my dad's drawer. Certainly. Um, <laughs> classic Doctor Who is often, in addition to being written theatrically, it was staged and filmed theatrically, where it's like one cut in a room and you can see all the characters doing different things. So your focus is in the foreground on the Doctor having a conversation, but there'd be someone in the background guarding the doors. So you can see what they're doing at the same time. It's very theatrical. It was less like close-ups and um, cuts. Yes. And the animation had a very modern aesthetic of having those close-up shots of people and cutting to different things. So some scenes where there are multiple characters in a room I thought were kind of confusing because you weren't sure what someone in the background was doing until they suddenly reappeared to like say their one line and then mm. faded away again. Like in my example, there was a scene where someone's guarding the door watching for Daleks and then... Suddenly she's like, oh, it's here! And then they all start running. I, okay, I remember that scene. Yeah, it is, it's kind of weird. It feels weird. Yeah, it's like, where did you come from? And I feel like in the original filming of this, the lost footage, um, it was probably a far shot of the room with the doctor in the foreground. You could see um, Polly in the background watching the door. Yeah. So you lose a lot of, gosh, what's that word? I'm, I'm having trouble remembering words. Depth of stage? Not depth of stage. Um, The, uh, not scenery, but like geography. You're you're losing a lot of the geography of the space. Yeah. So you, and I think I lost myself on where certain things were and how certain things went together and how a room was structured. Yeah, and there are a couple like very quick scenes in some of these that I felt may have happened in the same rooms as other adjacent scenes. Like, people in the hallway, there'd be, like, two lines in the hall, like, did you see the agenda? Yes. And they cut away to the next thing. (laughs) Like, maybe the last scene would have been people leaving the previous room, and you see these people in the hallway having this conversation at the same time. Yeah. But you never have any context on if they were somewhere else. All you have to go on are, who's talking (laughs) now? And if they make a reference to something they've done previously, then maybe you can make a conjecture that they must have been in the room together before but I uh, I did wonder many times especially after the the shot of the regeneration and other things on is that the blocking is that is that the shot they would have had because some of the shots just were a little awkward a little strange it was like is are they trying to do they know what that shot looked like or are they just guessing and trying to make it mm-hmm. as close to for bridging the gap between the new who fans and the old doctor who fans and yeah, I think some of them, they probably do based off of the real shots. I think particularly when they first meet the governor in the first episode, that felt very original where it's just everybody in a line on stage. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's classic Doctor Who. There it is. I recognize that. <laughs> <laughs> and the pacing of it, too, it's very much, like you were saying, stage play. Mm-hmm. Um, as it's very dialogue-heavy. Doctor Who in the early days, very dialogue heavy, very much characters standing around and having reactions about things and not running or doing crazy. I mean, there was some running because it's Doctor Who, but 
It's the very opposite of the new aesthetic of less talking, more running. It's more talking, less running. <laughs> right. They couldn't afford moving camera shots. No, they can't afford moving camera shots. They can't afford to set up the camera in four different ways. <laughs> we have a camera. <laughs> we have a set. And we have limited film to work with. This isn't video. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And they, you know, and, hey, we're going to throw this away in 10 years anyway. So what does it even matter? Not even 10 years, like five years. So. And this did come in just over budget of 17,000 pounds for this episode. For six episodes, I'm sorry. For six episodes, which is about uh, an hour and two hours. A little uh, under two hours? Three hours? Yeah. A little under three hours? Yeah. Three hours? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it is like a stage play. But the pacing of each episode, so each one is about 25 minutes. And it feels like we don't get any action or climax until minute 20 on any of them. Not saying that nothing isn't happening. I'm not saying that, you know, there aren't things happening character-wise. And I think it the animation may have hurt it in this sense because animated characters, the way these characters were animated, didn't have subtlety of gesture or expression to give us subtext or character reactions. It felt very much that a lot of the characters were reacting on their lines and not acting in between. Mm -hmm. I am acting because I'm speaking, and then I will just sit here and look around randomly. Yeah, if you're when I'm not speaking, so it's like Scooby Doo. Yeah, let me go on to my B animation (laughs) (laughs) as I as I react to things, and it so it felt like they didn't know what to do when a character wasn't speaking. It's like, I don't know how to show what they're... Because that would be making an acting choice. And I think they were scared to do something... I don't want to say interesting, but it feels like... They're they're, animators, not actors. So, well, I don't want to make... I think a lot of animators would call themselves actors. Ooh. Philosophical discussion for another podcast. Well, I feel like they would. Many, many... Interviews that I've listened to, animators talk about themselves as if they are actors. And many of them, you know, they will get themselves in the mirror to animate off of themselves and put themselves in the performance somehow. But you're, you're always, it is acting. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the pace of this very theatrical Doctor Who was very, they did not feel like there were 25 minutes. Each episode felt like an hour. <laughs> yes, it's like, I mean, in a previous episode, we talked about the pacing of a half-hour Johnny Quest episode. Oh, my gosh, yes. From the 60s. Yes. 60s? 70s. 60s? 60s. 60s. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> imagine if you just stretched that plot over six episodes. Yes. That's the pacing. That's but the- that being said, with the reveals in the final moments of the show, there are a lot of moments that really work in this animation. Reanimated they, animation. They land very well. Any any of the big reveals, like the first episode, where oh my gosh, we found Daleks and they have cobwebs on them, <laughs> which is kind of ruined by the episode being called "The Power of the Daleks Part One." And the reveal at the end is there's Daleks. Oh God! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Never saw this coming. But there was a. But one of the Daleks was out of there. Um, machinery and 
crawling around on the ground, which was kind of funny. That is cool. It's like, oh, that that thing is a Dalek. So if you're coming in not knowing who the Daleks are or anything, you're like, what the heck was that thing? That's true, if you're not sure about that. And I will say, with this animation, they do... The Daleks are like this cell-shaded CGI. Yeah. So they look a lot higher quality than the people. So I really enjoyed looking at the Daleks much more than I did the human characters. Yeah, the Daleks felt a lot like they would do the animation in Futurama, where it's really nice-looking CG, but it looks like it's hand-drawn at the same time. Mm Mm-hmm. So I would equate them with like the Planet Express ship, which looks really good, you know. And most of them had really good physics. I think the one like CG physics thing I had an issue with was at one point Polly like picks up a phone, a corded phone, mind you. Oh yeah. And like this phone cord, like it was like a crazy frog video from the early two thousands. Like the phone cord didn't know like what physics were. It was just bouncing everywhere. <laughs> It was really distracting. I remember there was one shot of a phone cord. It's so funny that you mentioned the phone cords because there's one up, one moment where they're, I think it's Janley who's on the phone, and I'm like, wow, that outline of that phone cord is really thick, like like the really thick thick line, black line. I'm like, did they did they actually draw that one? I think they CG'd it just because it is such weird physics to it. It was just weird. That outline was just, it, it was like, how many pixels is that? Is that border on that? They'll fix it in post. It's fine. I, I guess so. Well, I guess not. But <laughs> <laughs> unless, unless we're waiting for some, some other version of it. But The power of the Daleks. Restored again, 50 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, if it were about, if they were going off of this, here, here would be, the different way they could have gone. So they have the audio, so they have the script. They know what happens. They could have just remade it in a, a single hour and a half movie <laughs> in animation, still with a little bit of likeness of, but get somebody who sounds like Patrick Troughton to re-record everything. And just cut out all the... Uh and cut out a lot of the ex- extra business and make it feel like the like a Christmas special now or something like that. Um, and you can but, meet the doll like on minute five and not minute thirty. Uh, I would still do it like minute ten, but you're yeah, but you're you're still getting it early on. But you'd get a lot more about the war because right now the doctor finds and his uh, companions Ben and Polly find themselves on the planet Vulcan. Like you do. Like you do. Before it was destroyed by Nero. Uh, different universe. I'm <laughs> We've done three of the sci-fi staples so far. We've done Star Wars, Star Trek, and now Doctor Who. We have yet to talk about the animated Stargate series, Stargate Infinity, but then we'll have the whole... Uh, that's not a trifecta. Quadfecta? <laughs> I don't know what it is. That's a side note. So <laughs> they end up on the planet Vulcan. Uh, where there is uh, a colony with a governor installed, and there are rebels fighting to take over this colony and overthrow the governor. And they end up getting mixed up in this, and the Daleks end up being part of it too. 
somehow. It's a great bad description of the plot of this <laughs> serial. Well, there were, there were certain parts where I was like, wait, it didn't know if it was about the Daleks or if it was more about the espionage and like political ramifications going on. I was more interested in the Dalek story, but for most of the 25 minutes they spent going on on the rebels and things, which, you know, if you close your eyes and you hear people, British people talking about the rebels, you start, you're like, is this, what, what, like what season of Star Wars are we on? <laughs> the rebels, sir, they're here. And um, the, if you watch the color version of this, there's some other like interesting choices I feel like the a surprise when I watched the color version and um, the governor and like all of his crew suddenly like these bright black like SS-esque uniforms on yes I'm like oh okay we're Nazis now <laughs> cool I don't know if that was in this original script but uh, now we're Nazis now they are and everyone else looked like they were in medical outfits but also like often didn't have shoes yeah and that's how you knew the rebels were. Rebels can't afford shoes. Rebels scum without their shoes. On the planet Vulcan. On the planet Vulcan. With molten mercury pools everywhere that we just don't care about. It's, it's probably fine to walk next to molten mercury. I guess mercury is molten at regular temperature. Yeah. That was a bad. It's all right. We're not, we're not writers get scientific. <laughs> <laughs> but thank God. We could do magic school bus one day. We could. Surprise. Not actually about Magic School Bus. <laughs> so, I'll, go go ahead. You had... Oh, I was just going to say, like, what in the existing animation, what moments did you really enjoy? We're not a favorite thing yet. I just want to know, like, what you okay, thought was worked. Like, <laughs> it's like we're ending the episode. No, 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 no. I just want to know what you thought was good. I think uh, the moments that worked were the moments that... <laughs> Anything, anytime there was actual dialogue happening. <laughs> like, so, so 30% of the episode. 30% of the episode where there was dialogue happening. I felt like they did a pretty good job. Anything with the Daleks was great. The Daleks were just really well done. I felt like <laughs> this is going to sound really weird. The acting of the Daleks was much better than the acting of the human characters. Which, it should be noted, that's also the original audio for the Daleks. Right. It is. They do. I, I like the the plot of the Daleks. Um, I mean, we talked briefly about the Daleks being a force of nature. And I this episode, I like that they kind of were characters. Yeah, because the Daleks plan. are forced into servitude instead of just trying to exterminate everything. And so they have this moment and you can hear like the, the sadness in the Daleks' evil robot voice. We are here to serve you. Yeah, we are your servant. And you can feel like the sigh afterwards. <laughs> we are your servant. Oh. <laughs> I can't believe we're doing this, Joe. Is it all worth it <laughs> to exterminate after being in servitude? I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> Dull existential crisis. <laughs> Daleks existential. I don't know. You can't even say it. I can't it. even it's say it. It's too hard. It is hard. <laughs> it is. Dalek? Stential. Dalek stential. Dalek stential. Dalek stential crisis. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for helping me through that. You're welcome. 
I'm glad to help you through your existential crisis. Oh man. <laughs> but there, there was that, those moments where you can't trust these, like the doctor knows that these things are going to be evil. Like, no, no, don't worry. They just have the plunger. We got rid of the whisk gun thing. Yeah. The whisk, the whisk changes the color of everything around you. Then somebody dies. That's what the whisk does. Yeah. It's not the late, it's not the, uh, boring old laser of new who <laughs> just zaps people and they have to aim. They could just wiggle their little thing around and just change the whole color of the room. But somehow people also dodge it sometimes. Sometimes, I guess. Like yeah. If you're the doctor, you know which way the color's going. <laughs> and just pretend. Achoo! You play possum. You play possum. And you play trouton. Play trouton. Oh, I'm dead. I, again. Oh, my. I just rejuvenated. They should rejuvenate. Re- well, they, they, they don't call it regenerated in this episode. You're right. Oh, boom. You're right. You're right. I know you're right. For me, I do agree. All the Dalek stuff, I think, worked really well. I also grew to really like Lesterson and his interaction with the Daleks. <laughs> the ridiculous character of Dr. Lesterson. He was evil and then just dumb and then PTSD. I don't know what was going on there. But at the end of episode four, he sees the Daleks are manufacturing more of themselves. And it's like really well done with the camera angles and the shots of what you're seeing, and you're seeing the squids going into the Daleks. Those are the Daleks. Well, I mean, the Dalek suits, I should say. Yeah. Although my question is, where'd they get more Dalek mutant things? Uh, don't know. The Dalek machine? Okay. <laughs> they, have a, they have a Dalek machine that, that somehow... I'm, I'm sure there's a way. Obviously, they had to somehow... We'll accept it. A wizard did it. Um, So I really like that end of episode four. Uh, That's a good reveal. Um, And I also really like, um, at the very end, Lesterson is so broken. He's telling the Daleks, I want to help you. And the Daleks say, like, why? And then Lester says, I am here to help you. I am your servant. And, like, does his Lesterson imitation of a Dalek voice. And then they kill him, of course. Right. But um, I thought he had a good arc. Yes. From being the doctor. Who, well, not the doctor. Uh, not uh, the doctor, comma, who. <laughs> I'm so confused. So Lesterson is, uh, is experimenting on this pod that they found. He has found a Dalek and is trying to blast it with power and trying to start it back up because they see it as a machine that they could use to take out the rebels when really it would take out everybody. And so he does give the power to the exosuit and they do take over somehow. Oh God, what do you know? And then they kill every, almost everybody. Yeah, Janley. Gently. All the people who deserve to die, die this episode. That's pretty good. Yeah. As which happens with most Doctor Who episodes in Classic Who. Yeah. Everybody who wanted to die, dies. <laughs> and sometimes also the Doctor. Yes. Yeah, sometimes the Doctor dies. But not in these episodes. Yeah. So. Well, he's up. Never mind. <laughs> he dies before the episodes start, <laughs> and then he comes back. <laughs> 
Um, one thing to switch gears a little bit, this really reminded me of, um, it was brought to our attention that we should discuss um, the Peter Cushing in the room. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you haven't seen Rogue One yet, you can take a break here, come back later. I don't know why you haven't seen Rogue One yet. Um, <laughs> but in Rogue One, they of course use the power of animation, which can be used for good or evil, or in this case, the Death Star, um, to animate a classic... I don't know what words I'm looking for. I'm having your word thing now. Um, they animate the Peter Cushing as Grand Moff Tarkin. Yes. With that voice, exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, and they have a new voice actor doing the voice of Grand Moff Tarkin. And the body. And the body. They did both. They animate over it. They take his head and replace it with... They give it some Cushing. <sighs> Sorry. You had to go there. I did. Um, so we have Peter Cushing, who's not alive, but in this movie, which took many people by surprise, and many people didn't like that. I wasn't surprised that they did it. I was surprised for how prominent a role Peter Cushing had in the film. I thought they... I was really excited because I thought they were going to give it back to... Uh, I forgot the actor's name. I love him. He was Scorpius on Farscape and had those cheekbones. The cheekbones. He had a walk-on cameo at the end of episode three. Yes. Where he hands plans to Darth Vader and walks away. I'm like, oh, you are perfect to play Grand Moff Tarkin because you look remarkably like Peter Cushing. Yes. And then they didn't cast him. Well, the difficulty of it is they they wanted it to be so close to episode four that they wanted it to be story-wise and everything-wise. They wanted it to look like it came directly from there, and having a different face for that character would throw that off, that experience off. I've, that's, I'm sure that's what they were thinking. Maybe. Maybe. Was Mon Mothma in episode four? Uh, no. Okay. No. Mm. Episode six. But say more about what you were trying to do, because this is about Doctor Who. Yes, so our, <laughs> our topic of discussion is that fortuitously, in the span of a month of the end of 2016, animation was used to um, revive the Doctor, uh, the second Doctor, Patrick Troughton, in animated form, and also revive Peter Cushing for a movie mm -hmm. to be the same character. And uh, when... Uh, when does the power of animation end and the power of God begin? <laughs> well, I think if they were trying to do a... The hard part about the Rogue One versus the Doctor Who issue that we have going on right now is they have, for Doctor Who, they had a recorded performance mm -hmm. that they had to base it on. So they were recreating something that was there and was lost. With Rogue One, they're essentially turning Peter Cushing into a puppet. To put it crudely. Yeah. In, in the most crude sense, they made a Peter Cushing puppet. A puppet which they got permission from the estate to create. Yes, I'm not... They did. <laughs> but they made a Peter Cushing puppet. And performed it. And they even say, with some of the backlash articles that have come out about this, they have responded saying that Yes, it's not something we say should be done all the time. 
this something that should be used sparingly as a power that you can use in your movies because we now have this power. And this is a lot like other things we've talked about. Of course, in Bojack Horseman, they famously make a digital scan of Bojack so they can replace him in his movie later. Which they do. And they do. Um, so when... How much of this do you think we're going to see in the future? Is this something that should be explored more, or has the industry maybe learned its lesson with some of the backlash that we've seen to Rogue One already? Here's the thing. I don't think they learn anything ever. (laughs) If the power of the Daleks teaches us anything, is that humans don't learn. They don't learn on Vulcan. They don't learn anywhere else. Anytime else, it's the same issues happening. They're going to try to recreate the Daleks somehow. The Dalek being? Being. Reanimating. Reanimators. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't think we've learned anything. Hmm. And now, the, the thing that has to happen is the intention. They were, the Rogue One folks were trying to tell the story the best way they could and knew that they had to, put Grand Moff Tarkin in there because he was instrumental for the Death Star. And if you have a movie about the Death Star, you have to have Grand Moff Tarkin in there. The underrated villain of A New Hope. Right. Darth Vader's not the villain. Grand Moff Tarkin is. Absolutely is. So, you have to have um, (laughs) Grand Moff Tarkin in a movie about the Death Star. You can't not. So, in that, with it being as special as it was, you have that. But Disney has been doing things like this with getting the young faces of actors to try to make things. I mean, they did it, Tron Legacy, Mm -hmm. where they had Jeff Bridges play young Jeff Bridges. But he was also alive to play himself. I feel like that makes it more okay. I know. And then also aging down Robert Downey Jr. in the beginning of Captain America Civil War where he's playing 1980s <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to guess at his age, but I'm just saying. Spoilers, they look almost the same, but with less gray hair. Yeah, and thinner. Just a little thinner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we tend to fill out as we get older. I mean, just, once you put the arc reactor, that just puts a few pounds on you. It does. It certainly does. Magnets, carbs, <laughs> shards of metal, whatnot. This ends up in filling you out but (laughs) so Disney has this technology where they've tried to make age down actors and try to get them and make these performances exist that didn't exist before so the they they were ready for something like this but should we keep doing it I I'm afraid of where it goes like are they going to take young Han Solo and digitally put Harrison Ford's head? Like, that's a question I have now. Are we going to see the face of the actor they cast as young Han Solo? Or are we going to see Harrison Ford's face? Because why recast Han Solo and not recast Grand Moff Tarkin or other people? That's the big question is... What if for the 100-year anniversary of the original Star Wars we replace Alec Guinness with Ian McGregor? I would be cool with that. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. I would be cool with anything that would give us a different take on Star Wars. I'm not saying that 
I didn't enjoy Sir Alec Guinness's performance. Yeah. I don't think he liked it. <laughs> he hated He's it. He's gone on record as hating it. So let's get let's get Ewan in there and do some fun stuff. Another but, thing I thought was interesting about this, uh, keep in mind that Rogue One came out at the be- beginning, middle of December, not the very end of December, was that people didn't have the same backlash to young Carrie Fisher in the movie. True. Because I think it was a small thing. And yes. it felt really good. It did feel really good. I think there was so much Peter Cushing in the movie. If it has been a single scene, I think people again like, that's really cool. But I think it was about three scenes, four mm-hmm. scenes, and you're like, wow, this is really going on. They're really using their Peter Cushing. <laughs> this costs a lot of money. We're going to use it. <laughs> he is in this movie. So in this episode of Writers Get Animated, we have covered the entire spectrum of film budgets for reviving dead actors of like a, a lower quality Archer style for Patrick Troughton as the second Doctor. It did feel like Archer, didn't it? it it's oh. absolutely Archer-esque. Oh my gosh, I was trying to... Thank you. <laughs> the whole time I was watching it, I'm like, why do I... Why do I feel like I've seen this? It's an unfunny science fiction. And I mean unfunny in the best way possible. It's an unfunny science fiction Archer. With a lower budget. Yeah. It yeah. totally is. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. That's twice today. That's Blondie tw- and Archer. <laughs> do you have a favorite thing from The Power of the Daleks? I do. I do have a, a favorite thing. Um, I just remembered... Uh, I, 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 no, that was not the sentence I meant to start. I, I remembered, I remember, okay, stop. I'm just going to stop the sentence from happening again. My favorite thing <laughs> is from the final episode where they've, they finally found a way to direct the power to blow up all the Daleks, which was pretty spectacular in animation. I think they were like, okay, we can do this. <laughs> <laughs> we can up the ante with the effects of the original here. Here we go. <laughs> blow them up. And then, so there were lots of fun Dalek explosions, which was great. And then they finally did at the end, they walk away and see all these dead Daleks everywhere. And they're like, goodbye. And they, the doctor and Polly and Ben end up back at the TARDIS and the TARDIS takes off. And the Dalek lifts its little scope and turns toward the camera. And it's like, one of them's still alive. Dun, dun. Ah, Dun, dun. That was so good because I knew it was going to happen. And it was so gratifying that it did. Now, the question I had, though, was did that actually happen in the episode or are they just making it up? Ooh, that is good. I don't know. That's something to research. You can tweet at us on Twitter. Did the Dalek come back to life in the original episode of Power of the Daleks, part six? If you saw the original. If you saw the original. If somehow. Somehow. And if you've seen it, do you have a copy of it? Please. If you have a copy of it, I'm sure you could get a lot of money for it. No, don't tell them that. From the BBC. We should cut that part and just have them send it to Writers Get Animated. Yes, there's probably no money that you can get from <laughs> such a thing. You might as well just offload it. Just give to it to us. us for record. We'll view it ourselves and verify if the Dalek looked up. That's all we need it for. Yep. No and other then reason. you'll never get it back again. <laughs> what was your favorite thing, Mackenzie? Uh, my favorite thing is not <laughs> as serious and interesting. Oh, okay. Uh, the at one point in episode four, they tell Lesterson that someone who was accidentally shot by a Dalek died, 
They say, he's dead, Lesterson. And Lesterson <laughs> makes this awful face. <laughs> and I feel like it must be inspired by what actually happened in the episode. I don't know if they have that footage. It's, I'll demonstrate for Chris now that he's dead face. And you just say that he's dead to me. He's dead, Lesterson. <laughs> yeah, okay, I do remember that face now. <laughs> That did take me out of it. <laughs> I feel like that was them making a choice. He pulls back. There's no audio of a reaction. There's no audio. And so they animate a reaction. And that is the one bold choice animation reaction they make. Exploding Daleks and then... <laughs> shock. Just shock. We can animate shock. Well, they thought they could. They thought they could. So that's it on Power of the Daleks. <laughs> Let's talk about our homework time. Homework time. Now we're saying homework time because for homework, uh, for next time we're going to be talking about musicals. Musical well, episodes. That's that's more like it. Musical episodes, not musicals. Yeah, but and we've yet to reach an animated musical. So no, that's a lie. That's, that's a, a bold-faced lie. I was like, uh, <laughs> we did talk about Beauty and the Beast. So. What world I live in. <laughs> so for your homework, watch the episode, um, season one, episode 24, Batman, the Brave and the Bold, the Mayhem of the Music Meister. And you can also watch the episode Wander Over Yonder. Um, what season is that? Um, it's My Fair Haiti. And it is, I think, season two, episode 15? That sounds right. Don't quote me on that, but that's my, my good feelings vibe. <laughs> and then for extra credit, if you want to have some extra credit work, you can watch the Simpsons episode. I know this one. Season eight, episode 13. Simpson califragilistic SBL annoyed grunt shiss. So... You can watch those. Musical episodes next time. Writers get animated. As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Coutinho, and to Jacob Reed for our theme music. Catch us on the web at WG Animated on Twitter, on Facebook.com slash WG Animated, or on Tumblr at writersgetanimated.tumblr.com Tweet at us! Tweet at us! Tweet, Tweet at, at us! us. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>